what we're trying to do with parish renewal is to to make your experience normative and 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 it's okay if you haven't had that experience yet but that's what we want for you yeah. we want you to encounter christ we want you to know how much you're loved yeah. we want you to know how special you are to god mm. we want you to feel what it's like to belong to the holy family mm-hmm. to get a, you know it's just so beautiful Oh, it is so beautiful. And and going on retreats, I always came back into my parish life, mm. seeing the people in my parish with more love. Like I, the reason I started the the Christian counseling was because I'm a parishioner in my church, and and I would get to talk to people. I'm approachable, and so yes. people would share a lot of their stories, and I would know about all the pain that's in our parishes. Everybody's sitting around with this incredible pain suffering by themselves and nobody's nobody's um recognizing it because like we all know depression can be hidden in smiles and joy and stuff like that but i knew that there was pain so much pain and suffering in the pews Mm. and i thought god i think gave me that inspiration to to open up a christian counseling service so that that pain could be shared Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Ron Huntley and I am your host today. Today we're going to focus on prayer, specifically the value that retreats bring to us as leaders if we're going to lead anything significant. My guest today is Patricia Cosgrove. Patricia is a trained counselor as a retired social worker, a rooted Catholic, uh, who served in ministry in the church, but also had a business in counseling. And so I'd just like to welcome you to the show today, Patricia. Thank you for having me, Ron. Let me ask you, from your perspective, somebody who is, you know, because you did Christian counseling, not just counseling, but Christian counseling, and that was an important part to you, to bring counseling to your faith. But what role does, does did retreats or does retreats play in your life? Oh, my goodness. If it wasn't for the retreats that I went on my whole entire adult life, I don't know where I'd be today. It's it's significant, especially when, um, as a as a single mom, I was extremely busy working and looking after children and studying, and it was the retreats that rooted me and and brought me into a center that gave me everything I needed to be able to perform on pretty much all the levels that I was being asked to perform in. That's really neat because you know I think to myself retreats are great if you have time. But you're saying to me, wait a minute, you were a single mother, you were studying, uh, you were working, you were serving in your church, and you made time for retreats. That takes a lot of trust in God, doesn't it? I guess you could say it that way, and then and yet I always felt called to these retreats. It was like God was calling me to take a step away from mm-hmm. my busyness. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. I know I wouldn't have been able to do what I did without the grace of God that came from my retreats. I know that for sure. Right. So fun because we were just talking as a leadership team about that very thing, and we put it as an issue to hold people accountable, to hold us to get accountable as a leadership team to take retreats every year because it's easy to get super busy. I love 
to drive forward. I love being busy. I love having impact. And to make time to retreat is so important. So the reason, one of the reasons I invited you to be on the show is because of the revelation, one of the revelations you received um, while being on retreat. And I've asked you if you'd share that with mm. us. So give us a little bit of a... Very significant. The thoughts that I put together for um, a, a presentation I was asked to give is reflected in what I would like to share with you today. Beautiful. Thank you. So do you want me to go ahead? Yes, and please. so I'll just say that um, we don't want to separate, to your point about going to retreats, mm -hmm. we don't want to separate our human self from our spiritual self. Least we remain just dust. We're kind of reduced to dust. Without purpose for truly living, life has no meaning. Like um, without purpose, life has no meaning outside of God. I'm reminded of the expression life is like a dull pencil. Without God, where's the point? <laughs> but neither do we want to separate ourselves from our humanness. At least we become so heavenly bound, we're no earthly good. So finding that balance is important. We also have to remember that as much as we live in this world, we acknowledge we are not of this world. When we get that mixed up, we become mixed up. There are many occasions in my life when I have done just that. Without always being aware, I can project my pain into the world by blaming others for my misery. My humanness is out there for all to see. I let situations or others define me, thus losing sight of who I am in Christ. I am a child of God, and because of Jesus, I have access to the, to the greatest mother and father, of which I am eternally grateful. For life has presented me with many challenges where I desperately needed the love and guidance and support of parents. Without going into the detail of an incident which taught me how intimate my spiritual mother wants to be with me and with you, <laughs> I will tell you a story where my mother Mary reached down and pulled me out of the depth of despair. To put the story in context, it's important to tell you about one of my most favorite forms of prayer that serves as the gateway for Mary to enter my subconscious. In Ignatian spirituality terms, it's called the colloquy. A colloquy is an intimate conversation between you and God, the Father, between you and Jesus, or between you and Mary or one of the saints. Here's how it works for me. Whenever I have a problem or a situation which needs divine intervention, I first go to my mother Mary and tell her all about it. It helps to have a vivid imagination, mm -hmm. which I most certainly do. Therefore, it's easy for me to picture myself in Mary's presence and converse with her as I would imagine a mother might if I was an only child. She adores me. She interacts with me with utmost respect, preserving my dignity and my free will. She looks at me with such love and undivided attention. Who wouldn't want to be in the company of a mother like that? Mm -hmm. in, this, in this scenario, I tell her about my concerns. 
once she assures me that she understands and that everything will be all right, she takes my hand and leads me to Jesus. Jesus, in turn, greets me with a big hug while Mary proceeds to tell him the problem I just shared with her and asks for his help and intervention. I experience Jesus listening intently to his mother while tenderly putting his arm around my shoulder and smiling and letting me know, just like my mother did, everything will be all right. He then takes one of my hands and Mary the other, and off we go to our father. Abba, Father, lifts me up in his arms and while consoling me with a loving embrace, Jesus explains my situation to our father and asks him for his help. I immediately feel consoled as I experience my father's incredible peace, love, strength, and protection. There it is. I've just received the benefit of the most perfect family counsel with the Father, Son, through the Holy Spirit, together with my mother. It doesn't get any better than that, my friends. You have no idea how secure and safe I feel each and every time I enter the realm of inclusion as a member of the family of God. Not just a, an insignificant member, but at the time of encounter, I am the most important member. Mm. I am the only child. All God's attention is upon me, reassuring me, comforting me, giving me words of wisdom on how to handle the situation. Unbelievable, unconditional love, hope, guidance, and protection. You can't imagine how important and significant my relationship is, is with Mary and the triune God unless you know the pain and sorrow of being orphaned. My mother died when I was just nine years old, and my father kind of got lost in his work. Consequently, my child within always comes from a place of abandonment. I grew up with fear as my companion. I felt lost, alone, insignificant, and inadequate in most situations. I know without a doubt that the only reason I was able to grow to be the faith-filled, relatively healthy woman I am today is because I was given the most important and life-sustaining gift of all from my birth parents, the gift of my Catholic faith, love of the triune God, the gift of hope in my creator, and devotion to the Blessed Mother. I am convinced that my mother turned all six of her children over to the care and protection of her most holy mother, Mary, before she died. Mm. For I felt Mary's influence in my life at a very young age. Consequently, I experienced the love and care of Jesus as well. For as we all know, Mary's entire purpose and mission was, is, and always will be to bring us closer to Jesus into a deeper union with him. With all that being said, you can only imagine how devastated I was on this particular day when I went to Mary with the situation that had developed in my business life, which was causing me a great deal of grief and anxiety, only to have 
my mother Mary turn her back on me. I had never experienced this response from her before. I was stunned. It was like she didn't want anything to do with me. I felt like she didn't like me, that she saw me as a weak and deficient person, a phenomenal better known as projection. At first I was confused and devastated. Then I became angry and said, go ahead, turn away from me. I will just go directly to Jesus. I don't need you to get to Jesus. <laughs> so off I went. When Jesus saw me on my own, he seemed surprised and asked, where's Mary, our mother? When I told him she turned her back on me, he looked at me with such love and compassion. I burst into tears. My bravado crumbled. I shared with him my pain and confusion at Mary's rejection and asked him to help me understand. He held me and listened while I cried out my story. When I was finished, he assured me that Mary hadn't turned her back on me at all. Then what? Jesus helped me to see how the pain and betrayal I was experiencing had conjured up all the same old feelings of being of being inadequate, stupid, frightened, unlovable, unworthy, abandoned, diminished as a person, all the things I felt as a child growing up without a mother's love and encouragement. Jesus helped me to see that my pain wasn't coming from the experience of my blessed mother turning back on her turning her back on me. Rather she represented what an internalization of what my mother had done to me by her death. I was harboring so much guilt and sadness in my heart as a result of the pain and grief I thought I had caused my mother as a child. For as a middle child of six, the only time I remember getting my mother's individual attention was when I acted out. It is said that even bad attention is better than none. <laughs> so you got it. I was pretty much a brat. <laughs> as, as a result of my behavior, I believe my mother didn't like me. And to tell you the truth, I didn't blame her for I didn't like me much neither. I am haunted by the memory of my mother crying at the dining room table lamenting my decision to go off with my father and my older siblings on an outing to, I don't even remember where, it doesn't matter. The point is I can still see her crying and calling out, Patsy, please don't go. I was a child of eight. I felt important to be included with the older ones. So regardless of my mother's tears, I went. It breaks my heart realizing she died before I had a chance to say I was sorry. As a child, I believed my behavior was somehow connected to her dying. It was as if she wanted to leave me. At a head level, I knew my mother didn't choose to leave this world, but at the heart level, her death had the same impact as if she deliver deliberately left me alone to fend for myself. With this insight, I wept like a baby. Once again, I allowed the all, all those old feelings to rise up to the surface. When I was sufficiently emotionally spent, 
I experienced what I can only refer to as a call to Medjugorje. I I had heard about Medjugorje before and had loosely thought about going, but until then hadn't given much credence. Now all of a sudden I felt compelled to go, so off I went. Hmm. I didn't have any great expectations, therefore I wasn't disappointed when I didn't experience any of the wonders I heard so much about from others. However, what I did experience was this deep-rooted peace, a calm, a a serenity, which, interestingly enough, in God's great wisdom, were exactly the graces I needed to take home with me as I entered into an eight-day silent retreat that I'd already registered for before going off to Medjugorje. God's timing is always perfect. In order for me to get the most of the retreat, I needed to be in a peaceful state. Otherwise, the time might have been wasted or at the very least insufficient to bring me to where God wanted to take me. For it normally takes at least three days of silence before one can reach the depth of quiet that I was able to enter into almost immediately. Let's jump ahead to where I'm nearing the end of this retreat following several days of silent meditation and deep reflections on the Word of God. As I was returning from the chapel, I was stopped dead in my tracks by a picture hanging on the wall. I'd obviously passed this picture several times during the week without noticing it, as it was was on the route back to my room. However, on this particular day, it was as if this picture jumped out at me. As I rounded the corner, there it was, the picture of the sacred-hearted Jesus. You know the one where Jesus has his arms outstretched? But what I saw was his heart in his hand. I stood there mesmerized by what I was experiencing, Jesus extending his heart to me. He wanted me to take it. Here, Patricia, Take my heart. Why, Lord? What do you want me to do? I don't understand. Jesus said, I'm giving you my heart to feel with, to see with, to experience life with. Take it. So I did. Hmm. I took Jesus' heart and I pressed it into mine and then continued back to my room. Needless to say, I was in awe of what had just happened as I let myself rest with Jesus' heart, becoming one with my heart. Unbeknownst to me, Jesus was softening my heart as a way to prepare me for the next day, which was the last day of the retreat. That morning, as I shared my experience with my spiritual director, he said, Your retreat isn't over yet. You still have the rest of the morning. Don't waste it by packing and getting ready to leave. Stay in the retreat mode until at least noontime, for God isn't finished with you yet. I took that opportunity to go for one last walk through the woods. As I slowly meandered along the path, taking in the sounds and the beauty of my surroundings, I was full of gratitude for the many blessings I had received in my life, and in particular for the time just spent in retreat with my Lord. I was truly at peace. 
and gradually I felt a presence walking beside me. I felt Mary's spirit gently trying to get my attention. And then I became aware she had someone else with her. Slowly and ever so tentatively, I realized my Blessed Mother Mary was leaving me to walk and talk with my birth mother, Evelyn. Oh my God, I couldn't remember the last time I spoke to my mother, let alone spent any time thinking about her. Now here she was, 50 years later, as real to me, Ron, as you are right now in this moment. Not to say that I could see her, but I felt her. I knew she was walking alongside of me. I was shy at first and suspicious as to why she was here. I didn't know what to say or to do. So I just let myself become aware of her presence. And then, ever so gradually, I started having flashbacks of my life. And then the floodgates opened. I started berating her, lamenting that if she hadn't left me as a child, so many of the bad things that happened in my life wouldn't have happened. For although I didn't remember much about my mother, I did remember her as being a strong, faith-filled woman who was dedicated to the Blessed Mother. And I just knew if she hadn't died, my life would have been better. I told her, had she not left me, I'm sure I would have been a better student and I would have graduated with my peers instead of having to complete my education as an adult. I would have chosen healthier friends and I wouldn't have married so young. On and on and on I went, just letting her have it. <laughs> all my anger, my resentment, all the pain of not having a mother to love and guide me during those most important and formidable years of my life. I wasn't letting her off the hook for a second. I let it all out. The more I ranted in my head, the faster I walked. <laughs> by the time I was finished, I found myself down by the river where I sat, completely spent, empty, and oh, so sad. I felt so small, I wanted to die. As I sat quietly, I had the sense of my mother pulling me gently into her warm, loving embrace. I can't remember ever having that experience. I breathed into that sensation and allowed myself to remain there for, for what felt like forever, but was probably only a few seconds before getting up and starting my trek back to the retreat house. But, oh, the comforts of those moments, they, they remain with me to this day. As we walked, it was more like a saunter. My mother and me kibitzing. It was beautiful. She wanted to hear, and I wanted to tell her, all about my wonderful wedding at 20 years old, the joy of the birth of my two sons, Ron and Sean, the devastation of my divorce, the struggle of going back to school as an adult, the pride of graduating with my master's degree in social work at 45, the adjustment to the different homes I lived in, the excitement of my travels. 
Most especially, I shared the story of the lives of my two amazing sons and of my two incredibly beautiful grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, Christian and Hannah, who are young adults now, and my hopes and dreams for each and every one of them. I shared it all. I even brought her up to date with, with what was going on with my brothers and sister, the rest of her children, letting her know how well we get along as a family and how proud she would be of all of them, as each of them are such wonderful people in their own right. On and on and on, we walked and talked and laughed and cried. It was absolutely beautiful. And at the end of, the, end of it all, she looked at me and said, Patsy, I never left you. I was there at every significant <coughs> moment of your life. When you laugh, I laugh with you. When you cry, I cry. I would never turn my back on you. I love you. I have always loved you. I am so proud of you. You are my precious daughter. I will never leave you, and I'm with you always, even to the end of time. Love never dies. So, Dear friends in Christ, sons and daughters of Mary, I believe that Mary used my experience of turning her back on me to help me get in touch with the deep-rooted pain of losing my mother at such a young age and to release me of all my unfounded guilt. I believe that my unconscious had kept me trapped in prison, really, to a distorted sense of self. If left unexposed, would have limited God's ability to transform my life. That's all I'll share with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. What a beautiful, beautiful sharing. Thank you. It's um, it's just as hard to hear without crying the second time as it was the first time. It, um, it you know, when you share that intimacy with, like that, that's a that's a spiritual experience that you had, and so often I think we limit church and religion to going to church and and if you go to church or if that's all you want people to do is to go to church and you don't want them to encounter Christ like you've shared like you encountered God in that moment and the healing and the beauty and the depth is so personal it's so designed exactly for you and your life that's how much God loves you and, yeah. and there's people that go to church who have never experienced that love. And it breaks my heart that for many of us, it's not even a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, as leaders, that I would suggest that needs to be our goal is to bring people to that place. Do you know how much you are loved despite whatever shortcomings you think you have or troubles and trials you faced? Do you know because once you know, it changes everything, don't you everything. think? Yes, and, and you don't know what you don't know. That's right. Which is why going to retreats, you can't get to that depth. I, this was probably my hundredth retreat. <laughs> like, you, know, you don't just go to a retreat and end up having this deep experience with the Lord. I was built up to that, and I was being prepared for that. My whole life, everything we do, I think, prepares us. God goes ahead of us always, doesn't he? Like, yeah. you know, so I think going on retreats is the only way that I know that anybody can get 
beyond the surface, mm. the surface. Go into this depth of being. The f- I uh, have experienced that the deeper we go into ourselves, the deeper we go into God, because that's God is in there and he's in us and we're in God and we're kind of one. And how do you bring that together? Mm. You can't when you're just busy doing everything that you have to do. And mass is the most beautiful prayer in all the world. And I love the Eucharist. I love receiving Jesus and the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I love praying the prayers of the mass. And because of that, I think that's what kind of motivated me or gave me the depth of knowledge to go even deeper into this personal, like what you're saying, this personal relationship with Jesus. It is, it is um, life-giving. Mm. It is absolutely life-giving. You know, for those that are listening, um, I, know, I know for me, like my, the very first retreat I recall going on, not that I hadn't been on others, maybe I had, but it was a retreat at 16, a challenge weekend that I experienced God's love for me and um, you know the dam broke and a lot of tears came and because love changes you and 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 again it was that retreat and and one of the things that I know you know this whole idea of parish renewal and parish leadership and 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 really what drove us is like parishes could be and can be a place where people's lives can be transformed and so that when people do go away on retreats, they can come back to a family of faith that wants to hear and, and is supporting it and growing it and nurturing it, where sometimes if your church life isn't very good, you go away on these retreats and you come back and you think, I, I don't feel like I fit in and or nobody's really interested or gets me anymore. you know. And, and so what we're trying to do with Parish Renewal is to to make your experience normative and 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 it's okay if you haven't had that experience yet, but that's what we want for you. Yeah. We want you to encounter Christ. We want you to know how much you're loved. Yeah. We want you to know how special you are to God. Mm. We want you to feel what it's like to belong to the Holy Family mm-hmm. to get a, you know, it's just so beautiful. Oh, it is so beautiful. And and going on retreats, I always came back into my parish life, mm. seeing the people in my parish with more love. Like I, the reason I started the the Christian counseling was because I'm a, parishioner in my church and and I would get to talk to people I'm approachable and so people would share a lot of their stories and I would know about all the pain that's in our parishes everybody's sitting around with this incredible pain suffering by themselves and nobody's nobody's um recognizing it because like we all know depression can be hidden in smiles and joy and stuff like that but I knew that there was pain so much pain and suffering in the pews. Mm. And I thought, God, I think, gave me that inspiration to, to open up a Christian counseling service so that that pain could be shared. Because shared pain, how, what's that expression? Pain shared is half the pain. Joy experience with another is twice the joy. Right, so yes. so I just ever would ever forever see the joy in the people and the pain and walking side by side with pain and joy mm. and helping people find a way to live with that without one overpowering the other. To, it's right. just, it's beautiful. So no, going off, or yes, I should say, going off on retreats always brought me back with greater love for the people that I was sharing my faith journey with. It's amazing. 
And isn't it neat to how, you know, particularly, you know, you would see it in, in counseling, but also mm. too, if you really love people and take time to listen to their story, everybody has a cup of suffering that's theirs to drink. Yes. And no matter how successful you think they are or how perfect everybody else's life is except yours, nobody's life is without suffering. I mean, nobody. nobody. I've never met a human being, no matter how much money they have yeah. or don't have, what position they have or don't have, the business they have or don't have, how many kids they have or don't have. I've never met a person mm -hmm. yet mm -hmm. who hasn't had to or doesn't deal with a level of suffering yes. that they they manage. Yes. With, with with the grace of God. Yes. And I think, you know, as followers of Jesus, like if Jesus suffered, as and we know that we're to follow Jesus, well, then we need to follow, in, even in our suffering, that's just oftentimes our suffering is an occasion for growth. Yeah. I have become stronger, better, well, <laughs> relatively better, but always stronger um, and more equipped for the world working through my pain, not trying to numb it out with drugs and alcohol or all the kind of kinds of busyness. things, busyness, shopping, uh, materialism, all the stuff that stops us from feeling our pain. Mm. But to go through that pain and get to the other side, I mean, there's life like you've, you've never known. <laughs> true. Isn't that the good news? Like that's, that's the, the gospel, news. isn't it? That's the good news. <laughs> that is the good news. Somebody said yeah. to me one time, Jesus's primary purpose wasn't to take away our suffering. It was to show us how to suffer yeah. because he himself suffered to that's your right. point. Yeah. And so, but what I also hear in you is this, a, a call, like you yeah. seem to be somebody who, who, who doesn't shy away from people's hurt and pain and, and is drawn to helping them manage it like it mm -hmm. like it's almost like a nurse or a doctor like mm -hmm. a counselor it's a mm -hmm. it's this i want to help you i want to mm -hmm. love you i want to i want you to know your value yes and so yes. that's come out in in your profession and your studies yeah. but also to tell us a little bit about the ministry that you were involved with for a time mm -hmm. uh at the parish you're at you mean the life healing choices yes. yeah that was incredible. I mean, I don't know anybody that went through that uh, program <laughs> called Life Sealing Choices, and it was based on the Beatitudes. It was all um, stemmed from the Beatitudes, and it was Saddleback Church. Uh, yeah, that, Rick Warren. Uh, yeah. Yes, that developed this program, and we just uh, adapted it a bit to our Catholic um, faith, and it was life-changing. I think the testimonies that we would get after every um, eight weeks, it was yes. or actually nine weeks, but um, they went into great depth. And they were, and it was a sharing, and they learned how to listen to another person without speaking, without interrupting, without, you know, derailing them by putting some of their own thoughts into it, but just listen in silence. Silence is a gift from God. If we can learn how to be silent with another person and just listen mm. without judgment, without condemnation, without, with love, really, mm. and not interrupt when somebody is speaking is such a gift. And they all grew in that ability to do that. Like everybody, because the normal thing is when you say something, well, I'm going to say something and then you're going to say, and then I don't listen enough to let you finish your thoughts. Yeah. And so if I interrupt with what you're saying, now all of a sudden you're going over here. Mm -hmm. And really you were going to go here if I had just listened mm -hmm. and didn't interrupt until you were finished your thought. Mm -hmm. So that life's healing choices was an opportunity for people to go into their woundedness. Mm -hmm. People are walking around with woundedness and they think that they're all alone. And then they realize like what you just said, mm -hmm. 
we're all suffering with something. We all have wounds, but but God heals our wounds, and, and He really does. And doesn't mean that we're not um, we're not free of suffering at any time. But I don't I don't shy away. Like you said, I don't shy away from suffering. I know that there, God, you're helping me to grow in this, and just give me the strength and the wisdom and the grace to make this turn like lemonade, right. lemon into lemonade. <laughs> it works. It sounds like that that um, program, uh, Life Sealing Choices, gave a, people a chance to be heard, yes. which is healing in and of itself, yes. and taught people and them also how to listen, yes. to yes. be heard and how to listen. Yes. What beautiful gifts. I, I heard it said um, by Craig Springer, right. an author and past um, head of Alpha USA's, He's quoting somebody else. Sorry, I don't remember that. I'd love to give them credit. But that listening is so akin to loving that the average person can't tell the difference. Yes. That's beautiful. Isn't it? I like that. And also to add to that, it's when it's the, what I found in life's healing choices, the people, they felt safe to share. Mm. What happens oftentimes if I share something that is ugly or not nice or I did whatever and, and, and people are quick to judge and then say, oh, well, you shouldn't have thought like that or you shouldn't have done that or all these shoulds, you know, they should you to death. And then so when somebody has that experience, you're not going to share with somebody who you know is going to be judgmental of you. Right. And so by listening without casting any judgment, people feel safe to share. And the release that a person feels to be able to get that oat and still be loved. Right. Matter of fact, love more because now I know you more. Right. Now I know who you really are yeah. and I still care about you. Yeah. Or and not who you really are, but who, what you experience. Well, that's that, true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. We're not true. our experiences. We're not the sum of our, our no, sins. No. No. We we're are our failures. God's yeah. beloved. Amen. 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 Good oh, big, I just love that. Pick up on that. That's awesome. <laughs> And so, you know, I think about Alpha. That's one of the reasons I enjoy Alpha so much is because you get to hear people's stories. Now, with that said, I hope everybody listens to this podcast and takes away that listening piece you just shared because as people that are serving on the, on the, in the small groups as team, that's how we're, that's how we, if we listen like that, people's Alpha experience is going to be a hundred times better because it's about providing a space where people can be heard and not judged just like that. Oh man. And so it's so yeah. cool about, and, and maybe I just I'll pick up on this is that life's healing choices. Do you have to be a counselor to run that? Oh. No. no, but I'll tell you something. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have extremely a high level listening skills right. and you have to be able to sh- to be able to stop anything that's happening that might be taking away the purpose of what you're there right. for. A lot of people, you have to have confidence in yourself. You have to be able to to speak into things when they're happening and not be afraid to do so because it's, it wouldn't take much for, for this whole program to be derailed if you're, if, you're, if you're not, if you don't have God's wisdom and it's all God working sure. through us, right? You know, but you have to be able to be confident and, and know the know what your role is as, as a leader of anything. Isn't that true? Well, that's true. So, yeah. Lead, and everything. Yeah, so and you don't have leadership. to be a counselor, but you do need to have um, skills in learning how to lead people and not let the people who are maybe not everybody is meant to be in a group. Like sometimes their woundedness is so severe and that they disrupt too or much. Personality for the, disorders, maybe like anything. Yeah. Right. So, 
a group is only as good as what the leader is. Mm. Like it, they say, that's it's so true. If the leader is poor, the group will be poor. Yeah. The experience will be minimalized. And yeah, so no, not a counselor, but somebody that is, is um, confident. Wise and, and, and a good yeah. leader and, and willing knows, to grow in their leadership yes. skills. Yeah. 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 And so if I'm a pastor listening to this or even a parishioner, it's like, you know, boy, that sounds good. Well, it should sound good because when we get to, when we get to, share our story to be heard and to hear others. We grow in friendship. We grow in intimacy. We grow in trust. We grow closer to the Lord. When we get to know each other better, we grow closer to Jesus. Like, yes. you know, what's the greatest commandment? Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's, right. yeah. you know, it's one and the other. And yeah, a- absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And so this, these alpha and life's he- healing choices, those are, tools within a parish that help us make the time to truly get to know people and to truly get to be known, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You need to be able to see what's going on around you, see what's working, what's not working, and what's not working, have the courage to be able to speak into that in a loving way, because everybody wants to do uh, to, to well. Everybody, like I go to church now, my gosh, it's an amazing, <laughs> it's an amazing, and we're all saying hello to each other, and we're sharing each other, we're sharing with each other the things that are are going wrong in our lives or that we need, and and it's... um. I can't stress enough how much going deep within our faith, taking time for silence. Silence, I mean, there's all kinds of different kind of retreats, but there's no better retreat than a silent retreat. And like I said in my, my reflection there, it takes three days before the, the monkeys in your head kind of settle down. <laughs> like, you know, you can't get, you can't go deep. Yeah. Um when you're listening from your head all the time, you have to go into your heart. And that's when, you know, Jesus giving me your heart. I really, I really accepted that. Like I really felt God's heart and my heart becoming one and beating as one so that I can speak and walk and talk and, and be right. more Christ-like. Now, mind you, I, I have to revisit that on a continual basis, but it's, it's a wonderful silence is the only place that you can go deep. Mm. Thank you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. It's absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. And, and thank you for those of you that are following along. Uh, Patricia is my mom. And so I am that uh, grandson that she was telling her mother about. And uh, my son is the great grandson, who's the producer today, who <laughs> you were telling your mom about. And you're also the person that has always led me to Christ and, and helped me to stay rooted in our Catholic faith and all of its richness and fullness. So thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. (laughs) God bless you. And take time for retreat. You're worth it. Take time for personal prayer. Spend some time in silence. Be rooted in Christ and be a great leader. We'll see you next time. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.